church. Come on, let's clap. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. <laughs> well, hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today. And uh, everyone who is uh, streaming live, we want to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time. And in addition to that, our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Can we show everyone some love who's here for the first time? Well, hey, family, we are in week three of our new series, um, and I asked today one of our pastors on team to come and share um, uh, a message with you that I know is going to bless you, and before Pastor John comes, I want to just talk a little bit about him so you know more of his background and um, his role on team. Uh, Pastor John has been uh, with the church really since its origin, from the very beginning. He is one of those individuals that is quiet, um, doesn't say a whole lot. Um, and then you find out how gifted and talented he is, and then you just get angry at him. And um, you find out he's like, oh, you can write novels, fine, big deal. And then you're like, oh, you can play the guitar and sing, big deal. And then you're like, well, you can teach, big deal. Okay, you have seven kids, big deal, you know. And the list just keeps going on. But one of the things I love about Pastor John is he's just steady. He's a faithful man. He's a loyal man. He's a great husband, a great father. Uh, he's a good friend. Um, I remember when... Pastor John came into the family. Uh, I was really nervous um, the first time I met him. His hair was really bright red when I first met him. And um, I was just like, I don't know about this guy. And uh, originally from Washington State. And, but he is kind of woven into the fabric of this house. And his hand is on so many parts of what we do, whether it's developing curriculum with Encompass Kids, whether it's teaching at the college, whether it's helping in the worship, whether it's leading in master class, and uh, he does such an incredible job. I know you're going to be blessed um, by hearing him this morning. Would you stand to your feet? And um, before he comes, let me just remind some of you, um, just in case you were on vacation last week, that's fine. You're allowed to do that. And, um, but uh, I, I told the church last week, and I don't want you to miss this. I want you to hear it from me, that we did receive our final approvals um, the following week to do our expansion, which I'm very excited about that. And I do know that leads to a lot of questions that you have, or like, when, when are we going to see the building? What is it going to look like? When are we going to... So I've, I've literally, and this, this, just this alone blesses me. I've run into multiple people saying, hey, when are we going to have a chance to, to give to the expansion of that? And that blesses me because it's one thing to say that you're part of a generous church. Um, it's another thing when you actually see it in, in, in real life and people are, are, are generous to say, hey, I want this to become a reality. In the weeks to come, in the months to come, you're going to get to see a lot um, as we near the end of this year, and you'll have an opportunity to give to the expansion of all that God's doing. So I'm excited about that. Um, continue to be in prayer for that. And please, come on, put your hands together. Welcome, Pastor John. You may have a seat. It is great to be here this morning. And once again, welcome. Welcome to part three of our series called out of the wilderness. So over the past few weeks, we've really been looking at the book of Numbers and the story of how the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine that? Being lost, <laughs> wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So they were, they were essentially in between, right? They were in the in-between Place. They were in between where they were in captivity in Egypt, but they were not yet to where God actually had intended them and wanted them to actually 
B, which would be in the, the, the land of Canaan, otherwise known as the promised land. And the thing is with this whole story, it was, it was their fault, right? It was no one else's fault but their own. Because of their fear, because of their lack of faith, they chose not to enter into the promised land, but they chose to wander in the wilderness for an entire generation. And often, we here, sitting in this room, we do the exact same thing. And we do it often out of fear and out of a lack of faith and actually keeping our eyes fixed on God. Often we choose to wander. We, we actually find comfort in wandering through life in the in-between place instead of stepping into what God actually has for us. We're in between where we used to be and who we used to be be, but we're not yet living in the fullness of what God has for us. And that's what the wilderness is. The wilderness is the middle place. And often it's a place of frustration. It is a place of discontentment with life. It is a life of fruitlessness where we're, we're just not seeing the harv harvest that we wanted. We're not seeing things come to fruition the way that we had planned them, the way that we had dreamed them. And often this then, it leads us into bitterness and complaining and blaming uh, and pointing fingers and, and casting the blame on, well, if they only did this, then I wouldn't be here. And then that ultimately leads us to a place of such discouragement that we become hopeless and we rebel against God himself. And it's often just the simple fact of realizing that you're lost or realizing that you've been wandering that can actually help you to realize that you are in a place that you shouldn't be, which then allows you to move out of the wilderness. And that is essentially what this series is. It's helping you to recognize where you are and then to move out of the wilderness and into the promised land in your own life. So we're gonna take a look today at a very interesting story involving Moses and his brother Aaron that's found in Numbers chapter 20. So if you want to, you can turn there. We'll also have the, uh, the passages up on screen. But Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse one, it says this, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. Okay, you, you, you automatically know that bad things are going to happen if you arrive in a place that sounds a whole lot like the desert of Sin, but it's with a Z, all right? So, yeah, so just, just, just a little spoiler, okay? Uh, so, <laughs> uh they arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Now, think about this. Even in the wilderness, there are deserts. There are lows even within your lows, Things can get 
worse. So not only are the Israelites wandering for an entire generation and not able to enter into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, but now Miriam, who is Moses and Aaron's sister, she's died. And then on top of that, now there is no water. And then on top of that, the people gather and they unify, so it's not even just one person or a small group. The people are actually unified in opposition, and they blame Moses and Aaron, who, by the way, their sister just died. So things are going from bad to worse and getting piled on top of each other. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where life's already not going how you planned? Life is already not going how you pictured it when you were a, a bright-eyed college student and you were looking forward to your life and your family and your house and your career, and things are not happening the way that you intended them. You've had a rough week. You've had a rough month. You've had a rough year. The entire decade just hasn't been what you've wanted it to be, and you just feel like you are wandering and then, you know, on top of the fact that you didn't get the job, your relationships are a mess, you're up to your eyeballs in student loans, you're not happy, you're restless, you, you have trouble sleeping, you're unfulfilled, you lack purpose in life, and then you get hit with something even worse that you were not in any way prepared for at all. You lose your job, you know, you get laid off, you get this big legal bill or some sort of IRS bill in the mail that you're like, oh no. There's a health issue that comes up. There is a, a tra tragedy or a, a loss of a loved one in your life. And you just in no way were prepared for that. And just when you think things couldn't possibly get any worse, they get worse. And then on top of that, right, right, this is a, this is a very up, uplifting part here, okay? On top of that, in these highly emotional situations, the desert within the wilderness, we often make very poor situations, uh, make very poor decisions, right? In these situations, we take our eyes off of God we put them on to the situation that we are in the middle of and we make very poor decisions which affect those around us and they affect our future. Let's continue on. Verse three, it says, the people quarreled, right? This, this just uh, this automatically makes a lot of sense, right? They're in the middle of a very emotional time. Then the people quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain. There are no figs. I love figs. Things. There are no grapevines or pomegranates, and on top of that, there's no water to drink as well. So something very interesting here, the people already see the negative. They already look around them in the situation they're in. They're driven by their emotion. They're already, they're, they're not learning from the last time that they brought a negative report. 
They haven't learned, and they're already bringing a bad report based on what they think is going to happen. They are not thirsty yet. They are anticipating a coming thirst. And even though God was supplying them with manna and quail and feeding them, they're already taking their eyes off of the fact that God can also provide them with water, and they're looking at their situation, and they are anticipating the worst possible outcome. The fear is back. And once again, this is what it leads to. They begin to quarrel. They begin to argue. They begin to point fingers. They begin to accuse and blame everyone else around them. The most convenient Spot, And they say, ha, ah, we're going to blame Moses and Aaron because it was them who led us out here. They took no personal responsibility. Now, honestly, it, it wasn't Moses or Aaron's fault that they were in this place that they didn't want to actually be now. They were the ones who chose. They had an opportunity to go into the promised land, the land that God had promised them, but they chose to wander in the wilderness. And it's often here in the wilderness where relationships begin to be tested, during these highly emotional times when, the, the, when we're in the desert within the wilderness, when things go from bad to worse, relationships can get tested. We often take our frustrations with life and with the situations that we're in out on those who are the closest to us. Now, these kind of stories happen all the time. The death of a child leads a marriage to fall apart, Right? There's, there's just, there's blame. One person can't look at the other spouse the exact same way. They blame the other person. They can't do it. There's regret and the, they go from bad to worse. Wilderness living always leads to greater levels of bitterness, contention, finger pointing, casting blame off of ourselves and onto someone else. It's their fault. And it also always leads to your relationships being strained. And it also leads us into thinking what might have been. It's interesting here that the Israelites use the words over and over, if only, if, if only, if only we had died when our brothers died, right? They're, they're bringing up comparison as well. They're, ironically, they are comparing their lives and they were envious of the people who died. Imagine that. They are, they're comparing themselves and saying, man, they had it so much better than us because they died. What they should have been saying here is, is this. If only, if only we had trusted God. If only we had not let fear determine our actions. If only we had kept our eyes fixed on him and trusted him and stepped into and, and, and allowed ourselves to be led by him rather than our emotions, rather than our fear, rather than our lack of faith. If only we had done that, we would not be in the place where we are, are now. Because when we choose to walk outside of God's perfect will, we will always end up living in regret. And we will always wonder, what if? 
What if I hadn't made that mistake? What if I hadn't be, become a, a, addicted to that? What if I had taken that je- job? What if I had saved more? What if I hadn't ruined that relationship? We, we constantly find ourselves living in regret. But when we choose to fix our eyes on God, when we choose to follow him, to obey him, to trust him, to put our hope in him, then there are no regrets. Then there is no comparison of saying, if only, then there is no blame. Let's continue on here. Verse 6, it says, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly after getting absolutely just everybody, ah, we hate you, to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they fell face down. Being blamed can be incredibly exhausting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Then he said, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Imagine this, think about this. Even in the midst of blame, even in the midst of incredible anger and rebellion, even when we reject God, God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God is always continually faithful. He is always offering and extending his grace. He is always extending his mercy. He is always extending his provision. Even when we are living under a curse, God is always there. He's always ready to hear our cries. He's always ready to bring water from a rock. God is always ready to bring something good and life-giving from a bad situation. He's simply waiting on us to ask him. He's simply waiting for us to look to him to take our eyes off of the situation that we are in and to lift our eyes and just say, God, I am trusting that you will provide that this entire thing that I'm in right now is completely in your hands. Verse number nine. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. So he's doing good so far. Then he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Jeez, you know, you could could tell he's still harboring a bit of anger from when just a little while ago they were saying, it's your fault. He said, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. We're going to come back and focus in a little bit on what that means. What, what does it mean, the waters of Meribah? But there's a few very interesting things from this passage that 
jump out, that we can learn from. The first takeaway from this passage is that human leaders, even good leaders, always let you down. Don't put your faith in a human leader because eventually they're going to let you down. They're going to fail you. Don't put your your faith and your hope and your trust in a politician, in a pastor, even in your parent. They are going to in some way let you down. Why? Because they're not God. And so we see this. This happens right here. Moses, who was so faithful. He does things that he knows he shouldn't. Moses himself became frustrated. He became angry. His heart was full of emotion. And as we talked about before, this leads you to make poor decisions. And this led him to have a rebellious, foolish pride. And Moses and Aaron actually did two things wrong in this very short passage that actually angered God to the point that it led to some some very intense, significant consequences. The first thing, first of all, they took credit for the miracle that was about to take place. In verse 10, it says, uh, uh, Moses said, must we bring you water? Must we, the, it's, it, the water that's coming, it's coming from Moses, from myself, and from Aaron. So they took credit for the miracle that was about to take place. They didn't give the credit where it was due. They didn't, they didn't give the credit to God. They claimed to be the source. And Aaron made a huge mistake here because he didn't correct him. He went along with it. And this, this is what often happens. When everything is going wrong, if something happens that's good, you want credit, right? Man, everything is, is going not how it's supposed to be. We're, we're lost. Life, you know, things, everything is, is going wrong. If one little thing happens, you're immediately, no, no, that was me. I chose that. I did that. But because of, um, because of their rebellion and their pride, it, it caused them to make mistakes. And the second thing that Moses did wrong is kind of obvious here. He disobeyed God and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Moses allowed himself to be caught up and led by emotions over the words of God. So he was, and, and each one of us, we have these exact options. We can either be led by our emotions, how we feel, even though it's contrary to what God has said, or we can choose to set aside how we feel and actually do and obey and walk in exactly what God has told us. So uh, we, we make this same mistake mistake over and over and over. We get caught up in emotion and we allow that to lead us over God's truth. But because of their rebellion, because of their pride, Moses and Aaron were told that they would not enter into the promised land. What a, what a difficult lesson to learn then and also for us to learn even now. And it's this, you will never you will never get out of the wilderness if you're disobedient 
to God. Your way out, the way that you move from wandering in the middle, in this place of frustration, the way that you move out of that will never be by trusting yourself, your own skills and talents over what God has said. The only way out of the wilderness is by following the path that God has laid out before you. And this can never be done through pride. It can only be done through humility. Now, this event was actually referenced thousands of years later in the book of Psalms by King King David. Now, imagine this. King David a leader of the Israelites, actually studied Moses. He actually studied and looked at and read passages of the life and the mistakes, what Moses did well, what Moses did not do well. And so I want to read this passage. It's found in Psalm chapter 95, starting in verse 6. It says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Listen to this. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness. When your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. I declare an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now there's really in, in that passage, obviously there's, there, there's a lot, but there's really two words there that I just wanna, I wanna focus in on. Uh, the, the first is, is this, the idea that the wilderness is a place of Meribah. That is a Hebrew word. It means quarreling, provocation, and contention. And then the second word is the wilderness is also a place of Massah. The Hebrew word, it means testing or temptation. And often it is a test of temptation. And so there was a, a, a test here happening on both sides. God was testing the faithfulness of his people. But the people, they were also testing the patience of God. They were testing his patience. I'm sure here, uh, anyone here who is a parent knows when your kids can test your patience, right? So the temptation here for Moses as well as the Israelites was this, to blame God and to harden their hearts, which is why the verse here says, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. That is what the Israelites did. They allowed their hearts to be hardened. Now the the Hebrew word for hardened is this word kasa, K-A-S-A, and then in Hebrew obviously it would be, you know. Uh, But we think of the idea of our hearts being hardened as being 
stubborn. But that's, that's not actually c- correct. There was something else that was happening here. Kassaw would be better described as a deep heaviness, a depression or a discouragement that goes from your mind or it goes from your head to your heart. It actually, it actually permeates your soul. So it's essentially a weighing down of your soul. It is a heavy burden on your heart, which causes a person to lose all hope, to lose all faith, to essentially give up and become numb, which is what exactly what we saw with the Israelites who, became, who began comparing themselves to people who had, had died and saying, man, I wish that I were dead. The, the, the Israelites here um, uh, were, were, were living out and walking out this idea here that their heart is hardening and their hearts were turning to, to stone. And it's weighing them down. It's weighing down their spirit. You can see it in their f- faces. They're utterly and completely discouraged. The Israelites were taking their eyes off of God and they were putting them onto their circumstances. And because of that, they were giving up hope and their hearts were hardening. And often we do the same thing. We take our eyes off of God. We forget his faithfulness. We allow our heavy hearts to harden. We, we almost allow a callus to form on our hearts so that we can't get hurt anymore. And we essentially live out what King David said in verse 11. They hardened their hearts, and because of this, they will never enter into my rest. And that's, that is what the wilderness is. The wilderness, the, the wilderness is a place of restlessness. It's a place of continual anxiety and worry and fear and regret and seeking peace and rest, but never finding it. It's a place of discouragement and hardened hearts against God, against each other, against life itself. And because of this, we miss out on the joy, on the peace, on the hope, and the rest that God gives. Because we allow our hearts, we allow something that doesn't belong in our hearts to find its way in. And so in closing, uh, God actually would later speak through the prophet Ezekiel on this very topic. He said, hey, something is coming. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, says this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Essentially, God is saying here, he's saying, something is coming, someone is coming. And I will, through that person, through my son, I will remove your discouragement. I will remove your frustration and your bitterness with life, and I will replace it with something else. That's incredible, right? And maybe here 
in this room, you're like the Israelites, right? You're wandering through life. You, you know you're not where God has intended you to, to be. Often you're wandering from bad to worse, just waiting for the next bad report. You're just waiting for the next thing to happen. You're already in the wilderness. You're already not happy or fulfilled. You're disillusioned with life. You're frustrating. You're just going through the motions. But now on top of that, maybe you get hit over and over with something else, else that you weren't expecting, something dealing with your health, your finances, with your family, your career, relationships. And often it's very easy in those situations. The temptation is there to take your eyes off of God to, to, to take your trust from where it was placed in God and to put it into something else. And often we make poor decisions in this time. We allow ourselves, we allow our hearts to be full of foolish pride and arrogance where we think, man, I can solve this myself. If I just think about it, if I just try really, really hard, uh, you know, uh, I, I have the emotions already th there. I have the bitterness. I'm angry. I'm blaming someone else. I'm apathetic. But if I try really, really hard, I can earn my right to be back to where I feel like I should be. And the, the, the natural res result of a hardened or a discouraged heart is rebelling against God. It's resisting the voice of, of God. And once again, this leads us to make very foolish decisions, to, to believe that we know better than God and, and we can actually create our own path. We can fix this. But I'm praying here all across this room that if that's you or if you are in a situation like this, that you would not fix your eyes on where you are, on what is happening, but that you would lift your eyes, that you would trust in God, that you would set your eyes on him, that you would place your hope in him now more than ever. Because God is always faithful. Even when we are not, he will lead you out of the wilderness. He will lead you out of the desert. And he will lead you into what he has for you. So every single person in this room, all across this room, you have an opportunity this morning to get right with God. To look up and to set your eyes on, on him. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is your next step. On your journey, it's one step after the next. But if you have not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, that is your next step. To essentially offer or to accept what God offers. Romans 3, 5, it says, the wages of sin is, is, the, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. A wage is something you earn. And our sin, our, our rejection of God, our taking our eyes off of him, it has earned us death. And it has earned eternal separation from God. But the good news, the gospel is this. The gift of God is eternal life. And a gift is not a wage. You can't earn it. 
You can't work for it. There is nothing that you can do except receive it. And this is called salvation. That's what it is. It is believing and receiving. And it comes through believing a simple prayer that we are going to pray together as a church. And the Bible says that if you join in, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, if you confess that with your mouth, the Bible says that you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who lifts their eyes will be saved. So all all across this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would just repeat this, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. I fix my eyes on you. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to invite you to stand right where you're at. And listen, don't, don't miss this moment. This is the single most important moment of this service. It's for those who said yes to Jesus, for those who made that decision, who said, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If you made that decision today, I want to encourage you that it is the single best decision you can and ever will make. And let me also encourage you in this. We as a church wanna walk alongside you in this decision that you just made. We wanna help you. We wanna pray for you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna resource you. We wanna do anything that you will allow us to do to help you grow closer with your walk with Jesus. So right after this, as you exit, I'm just gonna encourage you and invite you to do one thing. If you said that prayer, if you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life today, or maybe you made a recommitment and said, I wanna follow Jesus all the days of my life, then can I encourage you to find someone on team who's holding up one of these Bibles right out in the lobby or in our next steps area. And all they simply wanna do is they wanna give you this as a free gift. Inside this Bible is a little booklet that talks to you about the decision that you just made. You may be sitting here and feeling overwhelmed. You may be having questions. You may be, I don't understand everything he said. That's okay. We're here to walk alongside you on that journey of following Jesus. Is that good? Hey, I want you to, you can give God some praise. I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna invite you to stretch out your hands and I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. And I just want you to receive it. Lord, we thank you for your, what your word says. Lord, bless and keep each and every one of these people. Lord, make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, turn your face toward them and give them peace. And God, we just lift up each and every person that made that decision to follow you today. We pray that the roots would take, Lord. We pray that they would find others that would walk alongside them and help them on this journey of following Jesus. Help them to get plugged in by joining a crew, by serving, by being in relationship with others. Lord, we love you. We thank you. You are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church. Have a great Sunday. We can't wait to see you next week.